So today we're going into the land of the dreamer. I love this series. I love how we do this uh, in November. I don't think we did it last year, did we? Land of the dreamer. And I was just thinking back is that, you know, for all in our life, we need to know how to dream. If we're going to achieve anything in life, we actually have to have a dream to achieve. Who knows that? Life just doesn't happen. And so I love looking at my kids. Like I've had the opportunity to actually study and look at my kids closely this week. Um, I don't think I've had any other choice. And, and so what I, I've noticed is that I love my young sons is that they love to dream. They love to use their imagination. Any kids love to use their imagination. Remember, you know, for some of you that have kids right now, you see them playing and you're like, what are they doing? I, I look at Judah and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, he's, he's six years old. And the other day I, I walk into a room and I hear Layla talking to him. And, and Layla makes this comment to Judah. She goes, you know, Judah, there's no one there. And Judah's playing in the corner. He's playing with his cars and he's talking and whatnot. And Layla's like, Judah, what, who are you talking to? There, there's no one there. And he goes, oh, of course there's no one there. It's just my imaginary friend. It's like, duh. <laughs> like, don't you understand? That's how you play. But sometimes, you know, as we grow up, we lose our imagination. We lose our imagination. We, we lose that sense, that, that sense of anything can happen. Yeah. Or all that sense of we can do anything. And so today I, I want to talk about daydreamer. You know, I want to talk about this. You know, our imagination is the most powerful tool that we will ever use. Do you realize that? Yeah. Your imagination is the most powerful tool you'll ever use. Every great idea, every influential decision comes from a dream. Do you realize that? It, it comes from a vision. It comes from something that is birthed with inside of us. You know, in dreaming, you create something out of nothing. But the only limitation that you ever have and that you ever put upon yourself is your imagination. As soon as you think you can't, then you've lost the battle. As soon as you say those words, oh, that will never happen, you've lost. But as you start to dream, as you start to look upon what could be, what could be, then possibilities arise. I love what Lawrence of Arabia once quoted. He said, all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake up in the day and find that it was vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act on their dreams with open eyes and to make them possible. I love that quote. I love that quote. Are you just a dreamer of the night or you're a dreamer of the day? Yeah. Are you just a dreamer of the night or are you a dreamer of the day? I love it when dreams keep me awake at night. You know you're living when dreams keep you awake at night. And when they keep you awake at night, it's because you're constantly thinking, you're like, God, I know it is possible. How can I achieve it? How can I see greatness come? How can I see generations in the house of God? How can I know how to raise my kids? And I start to dream of what could be. But not when I'm asleep, but when I'm awake. But unfortunately today, we've lost the ability to see as we're awake. Why have we lost the ability to see while we're awake? I believe it's this, because we've become so busy with life that we have no time to dream. We've become so busy with what we're doing day to day that we lose the ability to just stop 
and drink. Stop and listen. Just stop. It is the tool, I believe. Dreaming is the tool God uses to inspire each and every one of us. (laughs) I love what my wife says. She makes this statement. She says, some people wake up to an alarm clock. Others wake up to a call. Others wake up to a call. Like I find with my life is that I'm always awake before that alarm clock goes off because I've got something to achieve that next day. You know, I've got something to do. I've got something to achieve. I've got some great, I've got something to move. Like some of us wake up to a call. Do you wake up to a call or do you wake up to an alarm? I believe God calls us to dream in this way, to dream and then just play. Daydreamers go beyond the natural and see what can be done in the spiritual. You know, throughout the Bible, God uses dreams and visions to reveal his plans, to further his plans and to put his people in places of influence. If you read through the Bible, you see it time and time again. You know, through the Old Testament, you start to read and God would speak to people through dreams. He would start to speak to people through visions and then it moves on into the New Testament and he starts to do the same thing. But today, I believe this is we've got something even more powerful is that we can dream dreams and visions, but also too, he gives us the very word of God to open up and dream through. He gives us the very word of God to open up and see the plans and see the purposes that he has laid out for our lives. And through that, he starts to speak to us. You know, uh, David had great characteristics in this. You look at the life of David's in Proverbs, or sorry, in Psalms 91, 1 to 2, and it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God in Him I trust. King David knew what it was to put himself away in the secret place. You know, for some of us, we need to draw ourselves away. Like in my house right now, there is a place that I go to escape my kids. Does anyone else have those places? When it comes time to draw away, to dream, I don't think sometimes it's a a place where it's a time thing. It's more a moment thing. And it goes through seasons of life. As you grow up and as you go through different seasons, who knows that when you're a young adult, You think you had no time. But then all of a sudden you get married and you realise, where did all that time go? But then all of a sudden you have kids and you realise, man, what was I doing? I could have, you know, I could have conquered Mount Everest. I could have done more with my life when I was a young adult. And then you realise, but all of a sudden you become tight, but it goes through different seasons. So when it comes to drawing away, to finding the ways of God and dreaming again, you call back to a secret place. David had a secret place. David, in his younger years, he was anointed king. But all of a sudden, where do you find him? As soon as he's been anointed king, he's back in the field looking after the sheep. I believe when when God was talking about, when the Bible is speaking about David being in the secret place, I, I believe David was talking about when he was back at that time in the field, in the secret place where no one is looking. You know, a secret place is a place that is sacred. Like for us, is that I have a chair, and it's like our secret place, but it's more our sacred place. It's a place where we get away. You know, a sacred place means it's revered, it's, rever- it's sanctity, it's, it's a place of just being holy. And so what we do is that I have one in my room, 
and the one in my room overlooks out our window of a double-storey house, so it overlooks everyone else's rooftops. So for me, that's my, my sacred place. And so I, I sit there. And, and who knows, when you have four kids, this place might only last two minutes, if that. But in those two minutes, it's a place where I always have a book, a Bible, or whatever, where I can look and I open up and I just start to dream again. It's a place where I can just be away with God. But then also, too, because then you go downstairs, I have another chair that's in the media. And so what happens is, is when the kids are in the media room, I go to my room, and then probably two minutes later, they're all back up, so I go downstairs and I go to the media room and I sit in that chair and I open my other book. But it's a time where we just get away. You know, it's a sacred place. It's a moment, it's a place, it's dedicated for spiritual respect, devotion, inspiring awe, and just reverence. It's a place where I go into and just go, God, here I am. Take me to that place that I can dream again. Take me to that place that I can see what you see. It's a place where you meet God. It's a moment that you're saying, speak, your servant hears. Your servant hears. I believe for some of us we need to pull away. Our life has got too busy. There's been too many demands. There's too many things knocking at our door that we actually need to pull away to the secret place. A place that we can find, that we sanctify, that we call sacred so that we can hear the voice of God afresh. So that we can dream the things of God afresh. So that we can hear the revelation of God afresh. In Proverbs, it talks about it. It talks about people without vision perish. Really, some translation, it's people without revelation, without the Word of God, without opening the Word, without God speaking to them, perish. That's what it says. And sometimes we wonder why we're dry, we're hungry, and we can't hear the voice of God because we haven't pulled away. We haven't set ourselves away and opened the Word so that He could actually speak to us. Dreams start in the secret place. Dreams start in the secret place. Dreams are fulfilled in the secret place. In Matthew 6, verse 5 and 7, Jesus talks about it, how we should pray. But in there he says, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. In other words, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Pull yourself away. Find a quiet place to hear the voice of God afresh. Put the demands aside and just listen to the voice of God. Listen to what he has to say. Jesus himself sorted the secret place. You know, with his heavenly father, before most, the most important decisions of his life, he drew away. He drew away to clarify his dream again, to clarify the vision, to clarify the mission that God had for his life. He he drew away before choosing his disciples. He spent a night in prayer. Before those ones, he would say, you know what, now it's your job. Go and preach the gospel. It's your job. Go and dream of what could take place. Go and make disciples. He, He pulled away and spent a night in prayer. Okay, who are those ones am I going to choose? Lord God, right now, show me those ones. Those ones that could be. Show me the purpose for each and every one of them. Again, he pulls away the night before he went to the cross. 
He knew his mission. He knew what was coming. I, I, I believe that he, he walked down the dusty roads and as he saw the executions, he knew that one day that would be him hanging on that cross. He knew. It was a public thing back then. Execution was just on the main streets. Like the Romans would just put them up to say, hey, listen, don't mess with us. You know, the Son of Man came to die on a cross for you and I. He had a mission. He had a purpose. He knew what his dream was. He knew what he was supposed to fulfill. And as he walked those things, he knew what was coming. And the night before that, he pulled away in the Garden of Gethsemane. He dropped on his knees and sweated blood. It was so much agony and it was like, God, here I am. If you can, if there's another way, take this cup, but let your will be done. In the secret place, he built the courage to fulfill his dream, to fulfill his mission, you and I, so that we could have a relationship with God in the secret place. But as you will, was his statement. But as you will. In the secret place, you develop a heart after the Father. We develop God's heart. We develop God's purposes. In Acts 13, 22, it says, when he had removed him, he raised up David. When we talk about David, he raised, when he removed Saul, he raised up David. Of him he had testified and said this, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. I look at David, he was pulled away, but then all of a sudden, he becomes king. Jesse finds him there, it's, he's out in the field. Samuel anoints him to be king. And the only reason he's anointing king is why? Because of his heart. Because he is ready to do his will. When we pull ourselves away, we get the heart of the Father. We establish his heart inside of us. Dreams are formed in the secret place. My question to you today is, do you dwell in the secret place? Could you honestly say that you dream the things of God? Could you honestly say that you, you live to a call? Could you honestly say today is that next year or even moving into next year, are you just going to fall into next year or are you going to run into next year? Yeah, right. Because those that are called run towards life, yeah. not fall towards life. Yeah. They're the victors, not the victim. Yeah. Where do you run? How do you run? A dream will develop your potential and give you the power to live in the present. Yeah. I love that. It gives us the power to live in the present. I believe this is that we all need to have the power to live in the present. Each and every one of us need to have the power to live in the present. We need to be totally in the present. You know, sometimes as, you, as you're trying to move your family forward, it is hard to live in the present. It is hard to have the power to live in the present. But somehow God speaks to you. It, it gives you vision. It gives you purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. It, it helps you set up where you're going to go as a family, where you're going to go as in, you know, where is you're going as a married couple. It gives you the power to live in the presence. I, I, I look at David. Is that David wouldn't have the ability to save a nation if he hadn't gone 
beyond his dream and honed his gifts. David, he's been anointed king. He has a heart after God. You know, it's there, he's at that point where he's got the dream, but then the dream developed his potential. When you have a dream, you do things that you wouldn't normally do. David is away, and for some of us, it's what we do in the secret place that establishes what we do in public. It's what we do behind closed doors. Some of us want everything right away, but we're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to do the hard yards before getting to the reward. And so David, you know, he knew he'd been anointed king, but he didn't know how he would become king. But instead of worrying about, well, okay, a strategy on how to become king, he said, well, what's in my hand? What can I do within my hand? And so what he did was he just honed gifts. He honed what was in his hand. He honed his relationship with God, and he honed the gifts that he had. He said, if you read through the life of David, you know, he honed the gift. He honed the skills. You know, he, he was a great harp player. So he would be out in the field playing the harp. And, and then as you start to read through the stories, King Saul all of a sudden was tormented by evil spirits. And, and so how did they deal with that? They got David in to play the harp. He was anointed harp player. It was the presence of God. It was his skill set. He came in. All of a sudden, he finds himself in the presence of the king. But then also, you've got a time where he's out in the field. A lion comes. A bear comes. What does he do? Slingshot. Hones it up. Takes out the bear. Takes out the lion. Sometime later, he finds himself on the field. There's a Goliath defying the armies of Israel. All of Saul's army is cowering. They're like, you know what? This, uh, we're not going to take him on. Have you seen how big he is? David rocks up and he's like, what? What is wrong with you? You're all armed. How about you all just charge at once and just knock him over? But he, he's there and he's talking to his brothers and his brothers rebuke him. And he's like, I'll take him out. I'll take this uncircumcised Philistine out. Just give me a chance. Give me a chance. And he faces Goliath. And when he faces Goliath, he doesn't face him with a sword, a helmet, and a shield. He tried that on. It was too big. It wasn't what he was used to. It, was, it wasn't his gift set. So he took his sling and five stones. Yeah, and as you read through the story, you, you know that at the end of the day, he put the stone in the sling. He whirled it round. And all of a sudden, the giant falls. Is it in the secret place he honed his gifts so that when the day came, he could achieve the dream that God had put upon his life? He could stand in the time. You know, he used what was in his hand to fulfill what was in his heart. Who is going to defy? God has already given you what you need to fulfill what's in your heart. Don't look at someone else. Don't look at someone else's gift set. God has, always, has already given you what you need to fulfill your dream. The question is, is are you going to hone it? Are you going to develop it? Are you going to take it and then let him breathe upon it? You know, just imagine David standing before him, unintimidated, not even shaking. 
He's like, hey, come on. You know, he'd honed his craft. He was there. You know, intimidation has no part in his life. His eyes were fixed upon God. His eyes were fixed upon God. He stood there and he was like, I I see the giant, but I know my God is bigger. I I see the giant. I I know that... and, And today, some of us have got giants in our lives. For some of us, we've got bills that look like a giant. For some of us, we've got sickness in our bodies that, that, are, that are a giant issue in our lives, but sometimes we need to see those issues in light of our God. Yeah, come on. We need to know that our God is bigger and that He can do all that He says He will do. Even if He doesn't, it doesn't matter. I will still praise Him. He can do. I love what... Winston Churchill said, he said, when the what-ifs loom large in your conscience more than the why-nots, then cowardness rules over courage and dreams go unfulfilled. And dreams go unfulfilled. Dreams go unfulfilled. Our thoughts sometimes get confused. We forget how to pray. We forget His promises. But for some of us, we need to look at our giants. We need to look at our situation. And we just need to say, you know what? I have nothing to prove. And actually, I have nothing to lose. God, you are in control. Ephesians 3.20 says this statement. Makes this. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us us according to the power that works in us I love that statement the power that works in us the spirit of God that works in us he is exceedingly above he can you know for some of us here we need to stop trying to to do the battle on our own we need to stop trying to fight our way you know, we just need to say, you know what, God, here, it, let's do it your way. Come on. Let's do it your way. Let's do it your way. Yeah. Don't you hate that sometimes? It's like sometimes you think, God, I know better. I'll do it my way. Who knows it doesn't work? Yes. It's, it's like trying to tell your kids how to do something. And they're just saying, no, I've got it. I know it. I know how to do that. Dad, I know how to do that. I don't need your help. Anyone got kids like that? I don't need your help. Well, if you just maybe plug it into the wall. (laughs) True story. I had someone helping us out during the week, vacuuming the auditorium here. True story. Uh, A young guy, and he had his headphones on. And... um, And it's vacuuming away, and I walk in, and I heard no noise. And I walk out. I thought I mightn't have heard something. I thought my hearing was going. I walk back in, and I'm like, yeah. And he's bopping away. I, I, you know, I just stood there for a while. 
I just let the moment soak in. I actually wanted to record it on my phone and upload it to YouTube or something like that. And I think I, I gave him 15 minutes because I was so amused. And then I walked over and I tapped him on the... And he's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, uh, your vacuum cleaner's not on. <laughs> oh. You know, sometimes you just can't tell people. They, they, you just got to let them do it. Just got to let them do it. And I think sometimes that's what we're like with God. It's like, God, I've got this under control. Well, God, I know what I'm doing. But then all of a sudden, you can, and then all of a sudden, it's like, help. And God's like, well, okay, you ready? Are you sure? Yes. You know, what we've got to realize is sometimes we just need to put our trust in God. God says this. He says, you do it my way and I will honor you. You do it your way and you're bound to fail. He makes this statement, the battle is mine. Yeah. The battle is mine. His battles, it is mine. Now, I believe everyone's dreams, everyone dreams of making a difference. Everyone dreams of making a difference. What's in your hand to fulfill what's in your heart? Today, what's in your hand that will fulfill what's in your heart? For some of us, we, we dream to make a difference, and, uh, but what's in your hand right now? Are you a musician? Are you willing to lead people into God's very throne room? For some of us, we have a desire. But if you're a musician, do you have that desire? What is your desire to use what's in your hand? What, what things has he given you? Or if you're a teacher, what is the desire? Can you convey God's truth into the little ones to build foundations in their life? If you're a lawyer, is it about writing policies? Is it about writing policies for our nation? Is it about writing those things? Is it about helping those that are in need? For others, is it like for tradies? Is it about going on mission trips and building houses and things like that for those that we have in third world countries? And that's what I love about our, our church is that we do those things. If you're in social welfare, are you willing to give up a week and go to Red Frogs? and serve and safeguard a next generation. Literally in those times, it's where you end up in a room and someone has either gone or come back. In other words, they could be there and all of a sudden they're not breathing. Wow. I remember for myself going to Red Frogs. We're doing Red Frogs. We walk in and this girl stops breathing. In that moment, if we hadn't have been there, literally she would have lost her life. You know, this is why I love the church. This is why I love the Christian community because we're willing to go where no one else will go. Yeah. Yeah. We're willing to serve those that no one else will serve. What's in your hand that can fulfill what's in your heart? What's in your hand? When you live in the will of God or the will that God has for your life, it pulls the best out of those around you. You know, when you have a dream, it becomes contagious. Yeah. I look at David. Is that his will, his dream was just to fulfill the things that God had for him. To serve a nation. 
I look at Jesus, His dream, His mission was to see humanity connected back to its Creator. I look at that. I look at their dreams. But within their dreams, within their purpose, within their call, it always included others. It always included others. And what I find is that those that hung around them, those that caught the vision, that caught the mission, that caught the purpose that these men had, became giant slayers themselves. You look at King uh, King David. He takes out Goliath. But then if you start to read the acts of his mighty men, they take out Goliath's brothers. They achieve greatness for themselves. You look at Jesus. He ascends and the disciples are dispersed. Today, we sit here because men had a dream. Because disciples went out and carried out the work. They carried out the vision. They carried out the cause of Christ. You know, courage is to do what is right, no matter the consequence. Courage and cowardness are both contagious. They're both contagious. And I, I believe this, is that we need to be full of courage of vision, of purpose, if we're going to lead, if we're going to lead a community, if we're going to lead our families. Why? Because it's contagious. I want my kids to actually have courage in their life. I want them to have a call upon their life. I want them to know, to be able that they can rely upon God. But the only way that they will see that is if they see it through me. And if they see it through you. You know, when David's men faced vast superior forces, they stood their ground and fought and won. When we live, or when you and I live, a God-designed destiny for our life, others around us start to live in their God-designed destiny for their life. If you want to change a community, Start living for that community. If you want to change the things around you, start to get a dream and a vision and a purpose for those around you. I look at this, that God wasn't looking for perfection in David's life. He's not looking for perfection in our life. Rather, he is looking for progression. God is looking and he looked in David's heart and saw a man who often failed, but still truly desired and obeyed Him. Desired to obey Him. Truly desired to obey Him. I believe that's the same with our lives. Is that God, He's not looking for perfection. It's actually imperfect people helping imperfect people. That's what the church is. But it's whether we have a dream and a purpose to actually help those around us. And today, I want to challenge you, church. Will you pull yourself away to the secret place to commune with God so that He can birth a dream, a vision, a purpose in your life? 
so then you can hone the gifts and skills that He's given you to fulfill the purpose and passion of His heart. And the purpose and passion of His heart really is others. Is others coming to know and have a relationship with God. That's what it is. That's the purpose. That's the purpose and that's why we're here. That's why the church exists, to come and give honour to Him. And that's what we do on Sundays. We worship Him. We honour Him. We open up His Word. We read His Word. We pray for each other. Miracles take place. People get healed in that time of prayer. But then also too, it's for us to go out and love a hurting world. To restore humanity back to its Creator, to its Saviour. To go and pray for the sick to go and declare God's love for those. Are you willing today to take up that call, to stir your heart, to have a vision and a purpose for God to move? Father God, I thank you for the church that we have. I thank you that you've called us. Lord God, I thank you that you've given us the ability to use our imagination. And Lord God, right in this room right now, I know that there are dreams. I know that there are purposes. I know that there are individuals that haven't had visions for their life. Lord God, you may have given us a glimpse of what is to come, but God, give us the discipline to draw away and hone our gifts. Lord, let us not miss the opportunity that you put before us. Today, Father, Stir our hearts afresh so that we can dream. Dream of things to come. Spirit of God, speak. And Lord, right now, for those that have stopped dreaming, for those that don't have purpose, that have just been wandering aimlessly or they don't wake up to a call, Lord, today I pray that you speak to them. Lord, that you stir their heart. You stir their heart. For those that have let the dream, the purpose, and the cause fade away. Today, God, rebirth it. Spark it. Just their heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to give an invitation this morning. As I mentioned, as I was speaking, that Jesus came and he pulled away to the quiet place, to the secret place, to be with the Heavenly Father. The time before he went to the cross. And he made a statement, not my will, but your will be done. He was saying to God, I I know your will. Your will, God, is to connect humanity back to you. And that's why I'm here. That's why I am on this earth. That's why I have come to fulfill that mission. And right now I'm going to obey that. And he hung on that cross so that you and I could just believe upon Jesus. That could just say, you know what? He died so that I could have a relationship with so that we could have a relationship with Him. And for those that just believe upon Him, they would be saved.
And this morning, I, I want to pray with you. If you're away from God or you don't have a relationship with God, but you want a relationship with God, today I want to pray and include you in this prayer. And if you want to be included in the prayer, I'd love for you just to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. But all you're saying is right now, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. And I want a relationship, a personal relationship with God. If you're like that this morning, I'd love for you just to raise your hand just quickly. Thank you over to the side. Anyone else want to join that gentleman? Yep, over to the other side too. Thank you. Father God, right now you see every heart in this place. You see those that have made a decision. God, right now I thank you that they're believing upon you. And Lord God, as they believe upon you, Father, I pray that you come and move in their life, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit would intertwine them. Lord God, that you would speak to them, that you would seal an intimate relationship with you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. If, if you made that decision for the first time or again, I would encourage you, go to our Yes Bar on the way out. Um, there'll be someone there waiting to meet you. Someone there waiting to meet you. Why? Because this isn't just a decision, it's a journey. And we believe in doing it together as a family, as a church family. And so I really want to encourage you, head over there, engage someone. But also too, if you've been coming for a while and you've been coming to our church for a while or to City Point for a while, we have life groups. And we want to encourage you, get involved in the life of our church. Get to know people because this is a family. And so that we can care for each other and just have relationship. Like God says, you know, our ultimate goal is to have relationship with God but also it's about having relationship with others. It's about community as well. And so I really want to encourage you is that, you know, this year, as, as you step in, make sure you have relationship with those around you. But also too, over this month, we're going to be talking about land of the dreamer. And really, I pray that God sparks a dream in your life. Not a dream that is self-centered, but a dream that is others orientated. Because this is what I, I know about God, is that God, when He gives you a dream, it's never about you. It's always about those around you. It's always about making a difference in those around you. It's always about bringing heaven to earth. And so I want to encourage you, get away to a secret place. Get away and seek the face of God. And as He starts to reveal Himself to you, and He starts to give you a dream, and for some of us, we start to get a dream, we start to get a vision. If you want to know whether that is from God, then I want to encourage you, open your Bible and start to read through the Word of God. And this is what I find, is that God-given dreams will always match up with the Word of God. Will always match up with the Word. Why? Because where there is no revelation, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. If you want to keep, if you want to keep your dream alive, keep in the Word of God. Pull away, listen to Him, and see what God will do. Well, let's go out praising God. How about we stand up and let's have a great day. Come out, have a coffee with a few of us if you want. And we'll see you all next Sunday. Thanks, guys.